so far, what I've talked about is just how it's kind of grown to be more than just a passion. Um, I've been able to monetize this and actually make it part of my livelihood. And I've also proven to a lot of the people around me that this is something I can continue to pursue because I think especially as younger kids, it's it's a shame how quickly the artist like feeling gets quashed in so many kids. I, I think it's not the fault of any individual in someone's life. It's it can maybe be attributed to the school system and such. But like people don't see any real value in pursuing art. It's it's been really hard in the past to make a living from it. Um, and I think NFTs are huge. Just they throw a wrench in all of that. Um, and it's it's making it so that's so much easier for artists to focus on creating instead of having to do do three jobs to support what <laughs> they actually enjoy. The boys got PhDs when it comes to talking about NFTs and that's nifty. That's nifty. All the great artists, they come to this place to talk about the crypto space. And that's nifty. That's nifty. That's nifty. Your hosts for tonight's podcast are Tyler, Larry, and Slime Sunday. Damn, that's nifty. Ben, how's it going? It's good. Nice to see you guys face to face. Seriously. The new face to face, same state, Zoom link. Yeah, it's crazy how close we are. It was so cool when you guys connected because, like, I'm really not too close with too many NFT Bostonians yet. So to know that you guys are local is, yeah, super sick. I I don't think we really do either. I mean, there's a few people. Um, I mean, we've been here like, what, 16 months now collecting and perusing and um it's still a pretty tight-knit spot like me and me and Naples went to um that gallery showing that uh david paredes put on i forget the name of the, the gallery in boston though um palace palace gallery yeah. yeah yeah and that was a good time there were some people local but a lot of people traveled it was cool to see but um mm-hmm. yeah man i think you take the crown for youngest person we've talked to so far so um oh <laughs> Happy to, yeah, that's, that's pretty, that's pretty neat. Um, yeah, I feel like, yeah, I'll, I'll take that. And um, on the note of the palace gallery, I was actually, uh, I think, yeah, you saw, I was there the other week, um, stopped by because I had, I'd only heard of it after the event happened. Um, yeah. So unfortunately I couldn't attend for that, but I stopped through and kind of talked to some of the curators there. Uh, or the the owner actually and the marketing director I believe it was Selena. Is it Alfredo? Uh, Alfredo is another one. Yep. Um, yeah. There's I think there's three or four of them. Um, yeah. But it's it's a cool spot. They've mostly done physical art in the past. I think the one that they did um, with David was the first NFT gallery that they had. So they like brought in all those screens and he was like, I think we're just gonna buy these and just keep them here. Um, yeah. That's- I had it was so, so I actually talked to them about like if they had any plans for displaying photography, uh, NFT photography, and it didn't seem like they were too keen on it. Unfortunately, it right. seems like they're when it comes to the digital arts, they're trying to stay more in the 3D realm, which I makes makes sense. But maybe there will be a time where that comes. There's always a time. I mean, what, photography was the 
who's a slow onboarder for NFTs too. So, um, yeah, no, I, I can totally speak a lot on that. Um, yeah, I'm, I'm excited to kind of talk more with you guys and share what I have to say. Yeah, dude. I, I, uh, I guess just like, first of all, your, your voice is, is so well carried across the space, I think. And um, I mean, we stumbled, I, I stumbled into your collection. I don't even know how, maybe a retweet, maybe something I saw of like the city, you know, uh, someone sharing your work um, and it being Boston related, obviously. I started looking around, but when I, when I was like, oh, this kid's 18 years old, Jesus, he's like wise beyond his years for sure. So I'm <laughs> still taking classes, still got to graduate, but um i appreciate it. and you're are you tommy tommy but i'm really larry tommy noble's my okay. uh, my alias okay so <laughs> if we talk in the podcast do you do you prefer to go by tommy? yeah you, you can call me larry he's larry and I, i'm tyler larry tyler yeah. larry tyler okay okay great because i know like it's a really like yeah it's important for a lot of people so i want to make sure i have it dude um, we started as like a spoof like, like <laughs> we didn't think this was going to really last. Yeah. Like, <laughs> yeah. Crypto kitchen, Tommy Noble. Like, like those are just two, <laughs> just total internet, whatever they are. I don't even know. But, um, DJs. Total DJs for sure. So I guess just to like, uh, you want to go to the beginning of like NFTs or like the beginning of your, like for photography. photography. Yeah. 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 So I read that you picked up a camera at like eight. Yeah. I mean, so yeah, let's let's get into it. I guess I can talk a little more more about my journey, and then we can kind of talk about the era of NFTs as well. I've always kind of had this like creative inclination to just um, express myself visually, and a lot of that was actually due to the fact that I um, just wasn't very strong with my writing, and I didn't really have a good way to linguistically kind of put down what I was thinking. So photography was just something I gravitated to naturally as just like a younger kid um, being raised in this kind of digital time. I spent a lot of my time just watching like YouTube. There were a lot of people that I watched online that were very into technology. And um, I slowly um, kind of became a huge fan of like Casey Neistat. I don't know if that name rings a bell, but he, yeah, he was one of my favorites at the time. And he released a, uh, this technology review on a, um, a drone, um, which was so new to me. And as, as like a young kid, I was fascinated by um, just being able to fly this piece of tech and get these images from above. Like the new perspective is, I think, what drew me in. Um, so that was around 2017, where I like on a whim, just spent like all of the allowance money that I gathered over the past couple of years on that because I was like, I got to have this thing. I don't, I don't really care how much it takes. I think it was, I think 500 bucks at the time, which was, it, it was a lot for me, but I was really passionate. And I think it's safe to say I made the right choice. Like the, everything that has evolved since then has been nothing short of life-changing. And I kind of found the direction in life that I want to take. So that was 2017, but preceding that, um, you, you mentioned that, yeah, I, I did have a camera in my hands at a very, very early age. My parents have just been very just encouraging of everything that I like to do. And one of those things was just kind of, even if it was just taking a camera to the zoo, they had like this little point and shoot. Um, I think it was like an Olympus um, model. It was very beefy for like my younger self because I was known for being clumsy and dropping things. Now <laughs> I'm, a, I'm a little better about it now, 
uh, and I carry a much more expensive camera, so I have to be, but, um, <laughs> it's, uh, yeah, it's been super exciting to have that evolve into where it is now. I'm jumping around a little bit, but returning to 2017, after I bought this drone, I started taking the images that I was capturing on my smartphone and this drone that I had purchased and uploading them to Instagram, um, just kind of as a little personal gallery, a place to kind of show what I was creating and what I was proud of. And what that kind of exposed me to was this other online audience of photographers. Instagram um, had gathered a lot of steam for just being a great platform for photographers to share their work and network and connect with brands and all that. So I started kind of becoming friends with these people online. And as like a younger kid, that's always like concerning for parents. Like, they're like, who is my kid talking to online? Um, but in this case, it was all so positive. Like there were tons of people there to answer my questions. Um, I really felt my learning of like photography techniques accelerate when I joined Instagram because I was just exposed to so many more people to help mentor me um, and answer all the questions I had. So a little down the line, I started shooting on a camera as well. Um, I started building a social media audience, currently have around 28,000 followers on Instagram over the three or four, I actually guess close to five years now that I've been on the platform posting pretty consistently. And that just kind of evolved into a career path, essentially. So outside of my um, time in high school and academics, I just started really to take this seriously because I was just showing up each day on Instagram, engaging with others, kind of building this own community of my own, while also developing this skill set of like documenting my life and my travels. My main kind of the places that I specialize the most are in like outdoor photography and um, travel and adventure photography. It's just because I'm so passionate about seeing new places that I um I think there's a real beauty for photography and it's one of the reasons that I think they've it's gathered so much popularity in NFTs is that there's so much value in storytelling and kind of what a photo can transmit the like the emotions to a viewer so that became one of my main kind of goals was to create these images that would evoke something in the person that was looking at it and really like the way that I did this was showcasing locations that people were used to seeing, but maybe not from the perspective that I saw them. So like I would do this with the aerial perspectives from the drone or unique compositions with my camera. And I just, yeah, it just kept on going and going. And I really got into the groove. So, yeah. And stop me if I'm rambling here. No, um, please keep but, going. We love it. Okay. Yeah. No. So pretty much I, um, on Instagram started to, uh, get some more like monetization opportunities. I started working with some um, local brands and doing some social media advertising and such. Um, my images started to get used by certain companies. The, the actual, the company that I first bought my drone from, DJI, um, has actually now used my images <laughs> worldwide. Um, so what like a it's pearls, cool that came full first. circle moment, dude, that's exactly. wild. Exactly, like I, I started with this dinky little drone from them. And now I'm, I'm on one of their more professional models for my images, but it's cool how like this company that I was introduced to, I'm now contributing to, yeah. um, in a lot of ways. And I've, um, I've also had some of my cinematography work place in their international competitions as well, which has been super exciting. 
uh, in 2020, I won the Youth Travel Photographer of the Year, which was a really huge achievement for me, um, just because, I mean, I've been putting hours a day into this craft of mine for the past couple of years. Um, so like just these milestones um, encouraged me to keep on just working and honing my craft into where I am today. And I still, I still think I have a long way to go. Like I'm, I'm 18. I got a lot of years ahead of me to continue to improve on this stuff, but I'm pretty proud of what I've been able to accomplish so far. So yeah, just, I guess so far, what I've talked about is just how it's kind of grown to be more than just a passion. Um, I've been able to monetize this and actually make it part of my livelihood. Um, and I've also proven to a lot of the people around me that this is something I can continue to pursue because I think especially as younger kids it's it's a shame how quickly the artist's like feeling gets quashed in so many kids um I, I think it's not the fault of any individual in someone's life it's it can maybe be attributed to the school system and such but like people don't see any real value in pursuing like art um because there's not it's it's been really hard in the past to make a living from it. Um, and I think NFTs are huge, just they throw a wrench in all of that. Um, and it's, it's making it so that's so much easier for artists to focus on creating instead of having to do, to do three jobs to support what <laughs> they actually enjoy. Um, yeah. it, it's really an incredible time to be alive. Um, another, I like to call it like another Renaissance um, just because it's, yeah, there's so much amazing stuff coming out of this whole revolution that we're in. So I guess we can get into NFTs now. Um, pretty much, I guess, the first time I heard even the term NFT at the time was in a clubhouse room in like this December of 2020. Um, during just the pandemic, when we were all so confined, I... Uh, I really just was looking for this place where I could continue to interact with people, continue to learn, because it's something I'm really just, all, I've always been into. So I started networking on this Clubhouse app, just live discussions. Um, when I started, it was, it was mostly just talking about photography in general and arts and business and that side of things. And then I hopped in this one, one room late at night, and that was, that was history. Um, I, wow. I started asking questions. I was like, what the hell is an NFT? Um, <laughs> and it's, um, I was like, what are gas prices? What is that was blockchain? our second question too. It was like, what is yeah. gas? That can't be real. Like real <laughs> gas? Right. I was like, you have to pay to do a transit. And like, it, it all made sense um, eventually. I would say it probably took me a solid two months of asking and nagging people. And just like, just like, trying to understand the basics. Um, I spent a lot of time just listening in those rooms. And so I was, I hadn't been on Twitter before NFTs. And I think it was um, shortly after I was introduced to NFTs through Clubhouse that I joined Twitter and started posting more of my art there. This was, I think, January of 2021. So a little over a year ago, which is cool to think now that I've been in space for about a full year. It's flown by, like everybody says, crypto it's, moves a mile a minute. And it's been fast, long. but like also super slow at the same time. It's just like when you when you look back, it's like, wow, that feels like so long ago. Like a lot of stuff yeah. happened at a totally. fast like, pace. I agree. <laughs> the, we need like a, a yearly recap. Or <laughs> it's, 
just because it would be like five hours long (laughs) longer it it was yeah it's ridiculous um just how fast the space moves and how much is going on each and every day yeah we can totally get into that more but i um the the main reason i actually (laughs) it's so funny i started getting more active on twitter is because i ended up getting banned on clubhouse (laughs) um and it wasn't wow fault of my own yeah no believe it or not it was actually because their user policy is that all um, all users have to be over 18. I was 17 at the time. Oh, yeah. So they found I, out um, somehow. I think somebody had the balls to report me on there. <laughs> <laughs> Kicked out of the clubhouse. So, Unbelievable. I, I never had bad blood with anybody too. So someone must have it must have been like a hint of jealousy or something. I don't know. Maybe I pissed somebody off, but I um. I don't know. I, I had good experiences <laughs> with everybody on there. So but pretty much that restricted me from actually joining and listening in any room, speaking in any rooms, pretty much any functionality on the app was. Well, no thank God available. for spaces, right? That's crazy. That's where our spaces come in. So it's literally, it was a blessing in disguise. I like to say, because it, um, it was around this time that Twitter spaces beta was coming out. Um, so there, I, it's so crazy. You look at the top of the app now and you see just 20 spaces going on with hundreds of people and hosting my first spaces. It was like two rooms, two people per room max. Like it was very on the (laughs) down low and like not many people had the ability to host spaces because it was like still in beta. Um, and even join them at the time, it was super limited. So I kind of lucked out at this time because Clubhouse, like a little farther down the line, would start to fall off. But Twitter Spaces, where it kind of picked up all that steam. So early on, as I was building kind of community on Twitter, I really became known as like the Spaces guy. I was <laughs> holding um, daily, um, just very frequent spaces for artists um, with a, real, a focus on just highlighting those that were entering the space, uh, mostly photographers. Uh, just because that was my background and it was what I was most familiar with, but I would kind of continue to branch out into more, um, more niches as I was more exposed to the space. It was, this was, I just view this all as such a learning experience. Um, Every day I was just kind of discovering something new or getting a handle on something, but um, yeah, lots of people started joining these rooms that I was putting on um, in my spare time. And yeah, a lot of people just started recognizing me. I think this was kind of one of my first breakthroughs in the space is I just, just a lot of people would just come in, hang out, talk. Um, and there were a lot of collectors and list and artists listening as well. So it just kind of went hand in hand. And a lot of people seem to still remember those days, which is super nice to hear. I have conversations with the, um, the artists that I first connected with in those rooms. Um, and I'm still friends with the majority of them to this day. I mean, it's only been a year, but it, it feels so much longer. <laughs> to this day, yeah, to this day, it does feel like a long time. <laughs> to this day, but it's my concept of time is so flawed now. Yeah. Just all due to the space. But just and wait till you hear your mid 20s, dude. And then, then, then like, <laughs> yeah. years are going to start going by. Tell like, me that. I think, <laughs> yeah, it's, we'll see how that goes for me. You got time. already moved so quickly. Yeah, totally. I agree. But yeah, I just, I kept building on Twitter. Like I said, I entered the space in January, but I didn't actually mint my first piece until April or May. And I'm really happy I took that approach of just taking so much time to learn and kind of integrate myself into the community 
and then put out my first piece. Um, That's the right way. Yeah, I agree. I think this is so I I personally onboard a lot of artists every single week trying to kind of introduce more photographers. And the the one main thing that I recommend to them is always the, the ordering should be that you should take the time to make the connections and meet other community members on Twitter and then release um, a piece of your work because it's so much easier to have the momentum if you've already worked on it leading, leading up to that than to release a piece and then have to vice versa yeah. um, t- to build from there because it, it looks a lot more genuine genuine if you are putting in the work without necessarily receiving anything. So that, that worked really well in my favor. Um, but the main reason was just because I didn't have a piece at that time that I felt was good enough to put on the blockchain. Yeah. Like I had been do- doing photography for the past couple of years, but I realized that the piece that I wanted to make my Genesis was something I wanted to be really proud of. Um, like my years are still so young as an artist that I'm, I still have a, a lot to improve on. And I wanted this to just be something that I was hundred percent convicted in because you only get that first opportunity once. So come, come May, I put out my first piece on foundation. Um, I priced it at 0.75 ETH, which was pretty standard at the time because photography was starting to pick up steam. There were some larger collectors. Everybody was kind of pushing to price around that one ETH mark, which is, uh, yeah, pricing is a whole nother debate. Um, but, uh, we, yeah, it's another thing (laughs) to talk about. Um, how'd you get on foundation though? What was your onboarding process to like super rare foundation? Were you totally, like yeah. on and ready to go or, and, and then kind of went through the process of deciding your cur- uh, curation or. Yeah, I think it was April that I was, I got onto foundation through actually um, a local photographer. His name's Zach Alia. Uh, and I connected with him on Twitter and he happened to be on foundation and he offered one of his invites. Um, for those who aren't aware foundation works on the invite system. So artists on the platform, and I think collectors now even yeah. have the opportunity to give out foundation invites to those who they think are valuable to the platform. So I was fortunate enough to receive them. They were a lot more scarce back then than they are yeah. now. Um, this foundation has kind of worked really hard to kind of expand their user base, um, which I think is, has its pros and cons, but yeah, so I was accepted. I got onto the platform in April, but I waited until May to mint my, mint my piece. I might have the, months a little bit wrong but it was that it was that time frame and then i think it was like another month or two months until i actually received my first bid and so this time frame from july to or sorry not july january to may where i had just kind of continued building showing up every single day i hadn't actually like really received much back from it besides like the audience that i built on twitter so that didn't really deter me I like to think that I um, kind of just took it as motivation to keep building and it would come eventually. So when that first bid did come in, it was really a huge just achievement for me because I I looked at it as what I had been working towards over the past five, six months. And it came from a fellow artist by the name of Jacob Riglin. I'm looking at, um, I'm I'm looking at sure. it. Yeah. yeah, yeah. So the piece is astronomical. It was my Genesis Sweet. series. Um, Jacob, yeah, Jacob is a really just talented figure in this community, one of the first photographers to be on Super Rare. Um, and he kind of just, he was like aware of the community efforts that I had been putting out. Um, 
and yeah, so he he started the auction, um, went to him, and actually I had put out a second piece at the time as well, and within the same 24 hours that was gone as well. Nice. Um, so it was just everybody was super thrilled. I remember it like it was yesterday. Uh, just how I was feeling, just pure joy because um, yeah, I'd been working really hard for it, and I've just kind of taken that feeling and just pushed forward and steamrolled in this space, trying to kind of make more of a name for myself. I've been kind of continued my community efforts. Um, I've put a lot of the kind of my sales right back into the community, trying to uplift and support other artists. It's one thing I'm really passionate about. So I have collected from around 40 individual photographers myself. Um, I'm really like happy about the gallery that I've been able to curate as well just there's so much talent in this space i um i don't know i feel obligated to support it now let's see over a year later i'm on foundation i'm on open i'm on super air on foundation i still continue to exhibit kind of my outdoor and travel photography on open you can find my boston uh, urban exploring photography which you guys are collectors of of course and then on super rare, kind of my most recent venture has been um, displaying more of my aerial cinematography, which is something that I've been doing for years prior to NFTs, but I hadn't really seen this kind of experimented with. And I wanted to kind of figure out a way to effectively transmit it through NFTs. And I've the way that I've found it, that to be most successful has been... Um, Collaborating with uh, this producer, his name's Clemens Ra. He's from Eastern, uh, actually, yeah, Eastern Germany, I believe, in Berlin. Um, and yeah, so we've worked together to create these really like com- compelling 25 to 30 second, um, just visual loops, uh, really standalone and high quality. Um, so that's been really exciting. Uh, I think my favorite thing about all of it is just that I've managed to put out these kind of three sections of my work that I'm really passionate about. That's what I was going to say. We love that you have it segmented. Like you have something different on foundation on super air and open sea. Like we talked to a lot of artists about that, like how they go about choosing what they meant and where it's Larry's favorite question for people. And I'm sure he's blown away right now because the segments are like so well put together. Like they're totally different than the other ones. Yeah, I appreciate that. I'm, I'm really detail oriented. So having this way to kind of organize myself through platforms was something I was very happy to find working out. Um, and it's something that I suggest to other artists, because whether a lot of people know it or not, there many of the artists in the space have other genres or niches that they're passionate about, but they may only share one of it. And I think NFTs are giving such a unique opportunity for artists to express themselves where the collectors and people that are passionate about supporting artists care more about what the artists are passionate about than maybe the art itself. Whereas on social media and Instagram, artists have for so long pigeonholed themselves into one kind of genre of content. Like for myself, that was been, has been travel photography. So I couldn't imagine like in a million years posting one of my cityscapes or urban exploring images on my Instagram because it'd be so out of line with what people know me for. But with NFTs, I can I can take those different routes and I can share these different sides of me as an artist and still have people supporting me for that, which is, is something I find really to be incredible. And it also gives 
maybe someone isn't interested in my travel and outdoor photography, but they are interested in my urbanscapes. Um, so it gives more of opportunities for like a diverse kind of body of work, I guess you could say. And on, on super rare, that was the first, uh, piece I've ever scrolled that actually had like the collection. Like this is one of two in this collection within super rare. That's a cool new feature. I didn't realize they had. Yeah. Super rare has been really upping their game with the UI and I'm really happy to see kind of collections coming out around this time that I was planning to make this series. So the, the series that I have itself is called Cinema in the Sky, kind of just, I, I feel like it's a very fitting title for what I'm trying to create. Um, just these standalone aerial iconic moments from my travels. So the first one was from Maui, Hawaii. This most recent one is from Vermont. And my plan is just in the long term to continue putting out just these very high quality um, videos from my travels. And I think one of the most exciting aspects of it is that so far the, the videos themselves have been kind of from my backlog of footage, but as I continue to travel as a photographer and a creator, the, the series can follow my evolution as an artist um, as well, because I am, it's, it will be current stuff that I'm minting and not so much what I'm reaching back to kind of bring to the blockchain. Dude. Uh, yeah. Like Tyler said, I am uh, like just watching I guess how you kind of organize everything in, in a curation um, perspective, it, it's always impressive to see, uh, you know, an artist have this self-awareness um, to kind of read what's going on. And um, it does take patience, I think, in, in kind of reading the room to what you were explaining earlier. But um, I guess like, like at what point did you realize like these are my, ideas or, or like this is where I'm going to put this like obviously foundation was was first because you you obviously had had your stuff in place mm -hmm. but um I guess like the um above it all series like when was that incepted and then I guess same thing with like the super rare side like at what point were you like okay these are the ideas that are going to work for me yeah totally um that's that's a really great question I think it was like just a natural sequencing of things so I started on foundation. So that was the platform I was most familiar with um, first. I kind of grew to know OpenSea after, and that was kind of when photography started to um, uptick. A lot of people began to put out collections. Um, there was- It, it took summer, us a while too, to understand OpenSea. Like, like mm -hmm. I would say at least six months do we like actually understood like how to search by like, by, by now. now. Yeah. <laughs> <You know? laughs> like, it's a confusing interface. Um, and I think we kind of like, once you get it, you take it for granted, kind yes. of how, how easy you can get around it. But for those who are just entering space, foundation is really, I think they've done the best job at making it very, really like easy to navigate. I guess it's a little less complex with like search filters and such. Um, but yeah, OpenSea has that more vast, just open market feeling to it, which is why it might deter some people. Um, but really the, just the opportunity I saw with it was just because at, at the time foundation was only allowing one of one mints. They don't, they didn't have collections like they do now. So OpenSea was really the place that you wanted to go if you were looking to put out a body of work. Um, so above it all being 30 images, it would have been much more difficult to release 31 of one NFTs on foundation. Um, and also another thing I was thinking about um, at the time, just kind of like, early thoughts about this organization practice that I would go on to do was just, I didn't want to have two different styles of work merging on the same platform. So I, 
I needed another platform to release this body of work on. And that just so happened to be OpenSea because that is where I felt it would best fit. Um, there are, like I said, there are a lot of other kind of photography collections coming out at the time. Twin Flames had been released a few months prior. One other that stuck out to me was Nathan Bauman's Hidden in Plain Sight. Um, it's kind of a little more under the radar, but for me, it was kind of the ones that I, I'm a collector of it myself. And he was one of the ones that inspired me to kind of put out something on OpenSea. So I like to give him credit for that as well. Um, and I think, actually, I think above it all might have been one of the first urban exploring collections on OpenSea. I was very close um, talking with uh, Drifter Shoots throughout the entire process because I had never really put out this side of side of my work before. And I was a little nervous about it just um, because of all the technicalities with urban exploring as well. Um, so he, I was aware that he was going to be releasing where my bands go at the time. Um, and yeah, so we, we had very um, kind of close, close launch dates. I would have to look back to confirm that. Um, but it was kind of cool to see those come out around the same time. And Isaac and I have gone on to just become very close friends. Um, I met with him in person for the first time at NFT NYC in, um, last June. Just I, I don't have enough good things to say about him. He's, <laughs> he's, it's, he's an amazing guy and really been a huge supporter of my journey. And I'm happy to have collected a few pieces from him as well. Just, While yeah, we're in the urban exploring area of the OpenSea collection, yeah. like, can you take us through some of the ins and outs of like, how do you get up on top of those buildings? Is it, is it easy <laughs> yeah, or is it like, do they give you that. access? Yeah, let's hear this. Totally. So, I mean, like, it's, it's pretty, like, it can be pretty touchy because um, a lot of people, and this is pretty common am among a lot of urban explorers, like a lot of people like the images we create. Um, they like seeing the cities that they know so well from these cool and unusual perspectives. They don't always like how they were created, right? Because you have to break a couple of rules to kind of have to be able to create this art. And like Isaac has said so many times, and I myself am a huge advocate for, yeah, sometimes you have to put yourself on the line for your art, right? So because I've become so passionate about these these images, I am all right to kind of push the boundaries a little, um, maybe be where I'm not supposed to be for, for a shot. Um, so Boston in particular is a really just interesting city because there's such a, a mix of these old cultural buildings. And then we have these new high rises going up all the time, these new construction sites. There's so much going on in a city that feels like it's constantly elevating. So above it all, the collection on, that I have on OpenSea is dedicated to just showcasing Boston from new perspectives. Everybody's course used to being on the streets you're just in the hustle and bustle of everything just the whole city pandemonium and then the feeling that I long for so much is when I get above everything and you just feel like you're disconnected from the city to some extent and you get to look down over everyone I love the feeling of like looking out over the city and into the suburbs into like kind of more central Massachusetts and you think about how many people you're looking at Right. And like just from that view is such an incredible feeling. It's so humbling when you're up on these kind of taller vantage points to kind of think about that. So I um, when it comes to like getting access to some of these buildings, uh, sometimes you'll luck out um, with 
to have permission to be at, at certain places. But a lot of the times it just takes a lot of um, scouting, some trial and error. You're not, you're not always going to get to where you want to be the first time. Um, <laughs> security is always a hazard. Um, and yeah, I mean, it's understandable. I can understand the stigma around people thinking that it's stupid to take the risk. Um, and yeah, it's, it's totally, I can see like why people would understand that or kind of think that. But for me, I just like to think that I take all the necessary precautions um, for the art that I'm creating. I'm very just diligent about the process. And although it might break a couple of rules, I, um, I'm comfortable with the extents that I have to take for the, for the images. Well, we, we thank you for it too, because I, I uh, took the words right out of my mouth. Yeah. <laughs> I, I'm very familiar with the streets in terms of navigating the, uh, I'm always the driver. I'm all, I, I've worked in the city. So like I, I yep. last 10, 12, 14, 15 years, just, you know, navigating different routes. And then Boston's so weird because like the streets are so like intertwined. So you sometimes you're like, where, like, where the hell am I? I have no idea where oh, I am. Boston's a- it's a not house. No, it's crazy. Cow paths, yeah. they say. Yeah, seriously though. And yeah, totally. I found myself with that collection, looking at all the images and being like, "Where is this?" and and then mm-hmm. going to like put the only perspective I have is from the ground. So like I I had a good time just going through and you know putting that different perspective on it because you you just don't get that, especially you know when you see your city, you see you know obviously drift being so well known and and how his the fans is obviously in his story is second to none, but putting it on, you know, the touch of like our city or like I would consider my city obviously is, um, it's super cool to see. And it just had me staring at it, looking at the collection for a while. I showed my wife the, the one we have reflect, which I, is number two, I believe in the collection. And she worked in the back Bay for like five years and it probably took her two minutes to realize where, where <laughs> it was, you know, and you see that constantly, but to get it from your perspective, is really cool and we appreciate that man yeah that, that building is such a it's such a fun i think i we i talked a little about kind of like on the thread that you might have seen it from kind of the process that went into the shot but that um building one financial in the financial district offers such unique views of kind of towards the back bay and towards prue and hancock um and right over the icon- iconic state street building and on just like the the slants of the roof, you have this unique opportunity that you don't get a, with a lot of other buildings to kind of capture the landscape, but with the reflective element. Um, so that was something I was super thrilled to find when I reached the top. And yeah, that was that was a fun day. And another thing too, I'm like petrified of heights. Like if I get near the edge of a, even a balcony, like I don't, I can't explain <laughs> it. Like my body just feels like it wants to like make me fall, like just jump off. <laughs> I'm just like, dude, get away. Yeah. From so like you've given Larry a safe space to like see that because he couldn't ever be up there. Exactly. I love it too. It's like I remember I used to be petrified of driving over the Tobin Bridge, like in the back of my parents' car. I drive over it every oh, single yeah. day now. But like I, I don't know. I, I love looking in the in the perspective in the view, but yeah, heights just aren't my thing. Totally. And you'd be surprised to know that I I like I have a slight fear of heights myself. Um, but I think it with the necessary measures and precautions it can be viewed safely and it's it's nice to kind of push yourself out of your comfort zone a little with due caution of course i think life is all about kind of getting into places that you aren't comfortable because if you're if you're always comfortable then are you really progressing right so like i don't know (laughs) do you get wisdom right now 
<laughs> some meta metaphorical ways. It's not all all about heights, but like there's some medical metaphorical ways to look at it for sure. Um, I wasn't I think even thinking about heights at that point. Now, when you said that, it's just like, damn, I get done. I've just been looking for comfort. I, I love <laughs> being comfortable. Comfort right I refuse to wear jeans because they're uncomfortable. <laughs> <laughs> I got one pair of jeans. Maybe I'll break out. Maybe I'll use that as my my comfort zone breakout. <laughs> oh my god. Oh, there you go. Uh, man. I want to touch on something you said earlier about, you know, when you first started out and finding these people to help you mentor or people that were mentors for you. Like, do you think mm -hmm. being like a younger photographer that these people were more willing to like help you out because they saw the passion that you have for this craft? And I'm sure they were like, yeah, let's help this guy. No, actually, no. I <laughs> Let's I was, go. Okay. I, no, <laughs> I was shunned by a lot of people because really, I think there's this. I, yeah, it, it was a little unfortunate, to be honest. There were so, so many clubhouse rooms that were really, unfortunately, unwelcoming just to someone of my age. They wouldn't really, it's not that I was seeking respect, but it's just the, there's a lot of people will talk down on, on you at this age, um, which I can understand just because they uh, are like kind of cultured to believe that they have more knowledge in a certain subject. Whereas like for me, I was just trying to learn. Um, but I really did latch on to those that were willing to help me. Um, and for those that were who saw my spark and my passion as like a younger artist, and they recognized the importance of having people like myself in the space, those are the people that I still am super close with today. Like, I remember joining my first clubhouse room with John Knopf, um, who is really well known as a photographer and has also just had a lot of success with the Bored Apes as well. Um, and he really took me under his wing, uh, helped me mint my first piece. Um, some other friends on Clubhouse at the time, Dill, um, Jeff Nich Nichols, just like so many good friends that were actually willing to take the time and help me. Those are the people I remember and appreciate. And I it's like I've had people that when I first was joining their rooms and trying to ask some questions, um come back to me since then and like try to like ask for my help with something and I, i've given my help because i don't i don't hold grudges right like I, don't, I think it's healthy to kind of move on from that but i do remember like how they felt towards me and like i i don't know i never want to return that same energy i like to think overall the nft space has been very welcoming um to me and they've a lot of people have helped me with open arms, but there have been those who have just solely based on my age have been, I don't know if it's some sort of intimidation factor or something like that. They, yeah, not everybody's going to want to, um, I don't know, help you out, I guess. But it's awesome. You pay it forward and continue to help onboard new artists to the space. Oh yeah. Like, just turn it around really, and double it down. It's awesome. Yeah. And just, I've taken, taking that energy and it, cause it's something I've even prior to NFTs, um, I've always been just super vocal about helping youth photographers. Like there was a time where I had a, a, a discord called the young creatives discord. It was like 160 photographers, all ages 13 to 18, because I wanted to have a place for people my age to talk and communicate. Cause it's really hard as a younger kid to kind of find a place on social media when you're constantly surrounded by adults. And I saw a lot of value in being surrounded by like-minded people of the same age. And I think there was a lot of benefit that came out of that for those kids being able to talk to people that were passionate about the same things that they were. 
So I've taken that same mindset to NFTs and applied it to everybody that I help because I want people to feel like involved every age. I've, I mean, I've put a, an emphasis on helping younger creatives, definitely. Um, but everybody they onboard, no matter their age, is I just want them to feel like they belong here, that they can make something out of being in NFTs. Uh, and yeah, so it's it's a huge, huge passion of mine. That's like the exact type of stuff that I feel like you want to know that like you're like you said before, you're not just taking, you know, what you're making off of your work and just holding it aside. You're reinvesting in other artists, not only you know, financially mm-hmm. with, with putting, you know, your earnings back into it, but with, with, you know, just simply putting together a discord group and growing it like that, you know, of, of like-minded people. Totally. And that's, that's cause think about that. Like, like by putting, you know, by someone quote unquote investing in you, like buying your work, you're not just investing in you, they're investing in who you're investing in. So that chain I, I love is that. huge. Yes. Yes, that always. And I think investing is so much more of a monetary thing as well. Like you can invest time in somebody, you can invest other resources, you just invest encouragement. That's like, even, even that goes so, so far. Um, So there's so many ways that um, artists and people in the space can uplift others. And like Dave Krugman, who I know you've had on the podcast um, and he's, um, just a constant, just bright light in the space with his all ships, the, the, the phrase rising tide lift, lifts all ships. is just something that I continue to just take in every single day, because if all of us are just putting in work to uplift others, then we all rise naturally. It's perfect. Yeah. And you snapped a nice drive pick over the weekend or whenever that was. <laughs> <laughs> oh, that was over in Chinatown. I saw it and I was like, I, I need to, I need to do this for Dave. Um, I'm always yeah, was, thinking about drive picks, dude. Whenever I see a car, I'm like, I gotta, I gotta get that now and show Dave. <laughs> so. Yeah. He's a legend for that. And it's so cool to see the success and how he's kind of evolved that collection as well. Um, yeah. Dave's an, an incredible human. I've heard, I've heard a lot of um, like a lot of, from what he's, I've heard from him echoed through you just in this conversation too. And, uh, it's, it's, it's really, um, reassuring to hear, you know, that, you know, this is where kind of the, the space is just in terms of it's like stewards. Yeah. And and just being, it's so immature. Like, like we were, you know, talking about doing it for a year. Like that's just one year. It's the first year and like where this can go. and, And I mean, just like the ups and downs of the market and just like, I mean, we weren't, in this buying, uh, you know, we weren't crypto, uh, yeah. crypto native people, you know, we were buying ETH to buy art that we liked. And so it's yeah, like- I'd love to hear more about that. Um, because like, I, I feel like I've, I've talked a lot about me, but I, <laughs> I also want to hear. So are you guys have talked about how you've kind of over the past year been collecting art? Has it, have you gone after like certain genres? Is photography like still on the newer side to you or is it yeah, how have you I kind of. I think we're pretty open-minded to anything. I, a lot of our collecting probably comes from the podcast and like people that we either mm-hmm. interview or people that we've talked to or spoken with on the podcast give us recommendations and we go and check art out and just buy stuff that we like. I mean, there's some people that we've talked to that we don't own pieces from and it's probably because we can't afford it. <laughs> yeah, and, and just to bring it all the way back to like we were buying art Slime Sundays, one of our good friends. I, I grew up with Mike, and um, 
you know, he, his stuff was, he was explaining NFTs to us last uh, fall 2020. And I was like, okay, well I'm buying no matter what. So like, that's where we got onboarded was just buying Nifty and supporting Gateway. him. Nifty and um, Nifty Gateway. Nice. I'm trying to think. Yeah. No, pretty much just Nifty Gateway. It was Nifty Gateway for a while until you bought a couple pieces on Super Air because ETH was like 300 bucks at the time. So yeah, that right. wasn't crazy. And the connection too was still through technically through Mike and, and, and you know, just the, the like relationships he built online with people. Yeah. The first 10 guests we had were all like really good friends of Mike's. And that's how we got to even talk to them. Like, now, you know, Mike's super busy now with the NFT space, so he can't make it to all of the podcasts. But thanks to him, like that is the only reason we have any credibility in the space, like able to talk to people and book them without Mike having to be here. You know, it's like those foundational people, you know, the Exulos, the Aphorias, fuck render too much lag kind of guys like that gave us a, a basis to have credibility, I guess. I don't know. It just... Hats off to Mike. We really appreciate him bringing us into this space and kind of giving us a platform to just talk to people. You yeah. Know? Well, yeah, I like, so I've had the opportunity to listen to a few of the podcasts. I have to definitely go back and check out those earlier ones now that you talk about them, but I, think those, I really have admired. I think those, those podcasts you, like could be listened at any time and then people can just be like, okay, this is what it was for that. Cool that first run there are it's weird yeah that's that's kind of right. how we started looking at it about six months in where we're like we're kind of documenting something really weird that's going on and like from the cool. artist's perspective in a lot of ways so you know like you said you waited a while to mint your first piece because you wanted to establish yourself and make connections and understand how things worked right we still haven't minted anything because we're not sure what we want to do but like there's something here within like the the time capsule arena. Totally. Yeah. There's, I think there's a huge opportunity for you guys. And I think like MP3s as themselves have like, you can mint those nowadays. Yeah. So there's an opportunity there to bring the podcast to the blockchain with certain episodes and such. Like there's, yeah, there's a lot of routes that you could take it. Yeah. And I, I it's like, I mean, we work our nine to fives, like we couldn't jump on three o'clock. We would love to jump on a three o'clock. <laughs> zoom with you totally. but like it's uh and it's like been you know something we do because we enjoy it and we're just curious and just most of the time just trying I to figure it. out you know what the story is behind the art just from the inception of, of collecting mike's work and and seeing kind of how he got into the space and how you know he was doing just you know client work for the longest time just grinding or being an emt and like not making art not being happy and like NFTs yeah. being a vehicle for people to like quit those jobs they didn't want and dedicate it to making art, you know. I I I love that. And I have so much respect for the artists who have just worked on their craft for countless of countless years, like decades even, without any idea that NFTs would ever come around. Like yeah. artists are finally being compensated for the years that they spent penny to penny, just like paycheck to paycheck, working on what they really were passionate about and now are finally being compensated in some way for just the effort, their efforts. Um, and it's just such, I feel so fortunate myself just because like, I'm still very early on in my artist journey and to have this revolution happening. So kind of cl close to where I started as an artist is not something I take for granted because I realize. I mean, it's not that if this wasn't here that I wouldn't still be creating art. I'm very, very confident that I would be still just, out there every single day working on stuff just because it's what I enjoy. And NFT, if NFTs are suddenly to disappear tomorrow, 
I'd go back to creating art without a question because I enjoy it. Um, and, but I do recognize those who have worked for so long and are just kind of getting that now. Yeah. We, we've talked to a lot of people where the turning point was like, they were in college, didn't like it, what they were doing and like dropped out and pursued it. I kind of wanted to ask you, like, now that you have these different streams of income, like, is the plan still to go to college to, you know, for the experience or like, are you, are you good? You're just going to keep doing what you're doing. You seem like a learner, you know, like you enjoy learning yeah. stuff. So I do. And I'm, I'm a good student. Like I I've managed to even through all of this crazy NFT stuff, I've maintained straight A's in my honors and AP classes. Um, so like, <laughs> I, I'm good in, I'm good in school. Um, so I was fortunate enough to, uh, I was accepted to NYU down in Manhattan. Nice um, man. Are you rocking the hoodie? This past yeah. December. I kind of yeah. I actually yeah, I yeah, realized yeah. that midway through the Congrats, man! Thank you. Yeah, <laughs> but um, my girlfriend got it for me actually because yeah, from the bookstore. Excited. Um, the online. Yeah, bookstore. she's awesome. I, <laughs> she, she's my girlfriend of four years. She supported me through a ton of the stuff that I've done, which has been really exciting. But yeah, so NYU I was accepted in December, so I'll be moving down to Manhattan this august actually nice. um would pursue an education there really just the gist of it is I, I got into this unique program that they have called the gallatin they let 400 kids in each year it was founded by the original founder of the college and what's so unique about it is that the students of this program it's like a smaller liberal arts school within the conglomerate that nyu is um and students get to build their own curriculum around a concentration that they kind of that's outside the normal course of studies that most colleges offer. So uh, a lot of people that go to the Gallatin might study something really peculiar in neuroscience or something um, in theater or the arts, it's just the whole nine yards. And for myself, I'm really interested in studying travel and world documentation and culture in kind of like an educational sense, because so much of what I've done over the past couple of years has just been through trial and error my own stuff. And I think there's a lot of value um, alongside working with professors and um, administrators to kind of create something where I can improve my writing and documentation practices. Maybe, maybe it's not something that you need college for to keep working um, on this craft of mine, but I think it's a cool route that I can compromise like with my parents. My parents have always been pretty adamant about a for further education. And this is kind of like a, like a halfway point where I can continue to do something that I enjoy um, and go to a place that I want to be like smack dab in the middle of New York City. Manhattan's going to be so freaking cool for <laughs> like just opportunities alone. Um, it's going to open a lot of doors, I feel. And New York is on like the front of web, the web, t web three scene. Um, there's always a lot of like events there. Um, so it'd be nice to have that proximity, but then I, yeah, I'm also just very excited to kind of have this time to continue to just grow as a student and yeah, have that college experience, meet, making connections. Um, and I think there's a lot of good that can come from it. It's not necessary for everyone. I'm, I, I advocate that a lot. I don't think I think the returns of college have been diminishing for a lot of people over the past couple of years. It's not necessarily what it used to be, but for me, I think it's a good path um, and we'll, we'll see how it goes. No, that's a, that's a, a 
an awesome answer really, because I, in, in, so for context, I, I've been coaching baseball at the high school level for like seven or eight years now. Um, oh, awesome. this local high school that's near my office and I'm able to just kind of squeeze it in. And I have these types of, I feel like conversations with kids a lot of time, a, a lot of the time. And it's, you know, who really knows what you want to do besides kind of like explore and just kind of follow, you know, what you're passionate about, you know? Um, yes. and whether it's the, the financial side of it and like, you know, a lot of the times kids are just going to school to go to school. And, you know, if you don't know what you're doing, like you can be patient you can, there's, there's, there's nothing to rush into really. And I, I don't know. I, I just feel like it's changed so much, even from like when we were, you know, in high school and like, it was just like, buy the book like you this is what you're doing then you're going to college and then you're going to graduate college and you're going to find a job you're going to get a job yeah and, and <laughs> yeah it's just so different that, now uh, uh-huh. and like and you better know what you want to do when you're 18 years old you can't you know and like that's that's too much to ask of someone you know a hundred percent and i yeah like that's another thing i feel very fortunate is that i've just found something i click with so much yeah. at this age that i recognize is something I want to pursue in the coming years. Um, who knows, maybe it doesn't last my entire lifetime, but I have a, just a, a flame lit inside me to continue doing this. Um, yeah. That I know at least through college and my twenties, thirties, I want to continue pursuing this. And that's not something that every kid is lucky enough to have. A lot of people don't know what they want to do, like you said. And, um, Larry, I think it's cool that you kind of have that experience with kids around my age, um, this age group, and you can kind of relate to that um, through through your position. So I've, I've always felt like I could give them a little bit of just like, you know, even if it was like three, four years of perspective down the line, you know, I, I went to a school that I left after one semester, did community college around here, went to Salem State, like short money and met the people I met working where I'm working now because of everything I did before. So everything falls into place if you're just doing what feels right, really. Um, and at the same time, like, dude, I still feel like I'm like 12 years old. So like, I still feel like a kid for like, sure. Like I, I like that perspective isn't long ago from, from like where I think of it as, you know what I mean? I've just been around longer <laughs> yeah. now and time goes by faster and I can give a little bit of perspective, but like the perspective that like someone five, 10 15 years older than us could give is, you know, like I'll feel like an idiot when when I'm that age looking back at myself, you know, but yeah, it's just all about just, you know, I think it's about like just lending positivity to to do what you have a passion for. And if you just follow that, typically things fall into place. And we're excited to be collectors of yours and watch your journey as you go through like these formidable years and like how it changes and like new sites and travels that you go on, you know? Yeah, I'm like, I, I definitely want to stress that I'm so grateful for you guys kind of like taking this leap of faith in me because I have a lot planned for the coming years. I, um, yeah, I think I'm really gonna kind of continue to bring my all to this space. I have these three platforms I'm gonna continue to build and share my art on. I want to keep bringing value to the community. So having you guys in on this ground floor um, means a lot to me because I, I have this drive and this ambition to continue to improve that. Um, and then, yeah, I'm looking forward to kind of being a part of more projects. Um, one of my recent endeavors, I've partnered um, with the uh, longtime Web2 company, Explorist, which is a kind of a travel platform for a lot of people. 
uh, or sorry, a lot of photographers, I should say, when it comes to kind of location scouting and such. And they have been working on this entrance into Web3. Um, so I've kind of been in charge of the community management. Uh, cool. So it's like my first Web3 job of sorts. Um, so which is really exciting for me because I, I don't know. I, I didn't see this yeah. coming so bad. <laughs> um, but like, that's kind of what I want to be a part of. I want to just be a builder, an artist, a community member in this space. Yeah, having you guys supporting my art at this time, I think it's pretty pretty smart decision. I'm just saying. <laughs> <Yeah>. um, <laughs> we would agree but, with you, man. Like, very impressed by you. Like, if I was half as like aware, I, just like ambitious as you, like I I just. I'm blown away. Like even your write-ups, you say like you're deficient in writing, like the write-ups on super rare are phenomenal. Oh, thank you. I think I have gotten better. Um, a little, a little, <laughs> yeah, <bit>. a little. Um, <laughs> but yeah, there's, I, I'm all, like, I said, always a learner, very detail oriented. And I always kind of, I'm trying to improve every day. So there's always something that could be better. <laughs> yeah. So I, I look at it at that as like with a hungry mindset, um, which can, kind of be to my detriment sometimes with like imposter syndrome and and kind of the general artist stuff but I think in general it's a it's a benefiting factor 100 percent in in and thank you for the kind words of us collecting your work um oh yeah you guys are great I'm so happy that we're connected I, thanks man likewise man and maybe we can kind of wrap here with your your piece that you have right now on super rare what what's what's the title of it again yeah, so my most recent one is called the Northeast Kingdom. It's got yeah. a nice ring to it, I think. It rolls off the tongue. Um, so with that, though, yeah, sorry like, to cut you off. Like I, I read through the it. thread that you put out there because I feel like you're very thorough in, in kind of push, pushing the story across. You know, you kind of explained your trip to Vermont, what you were exploring and kind of poking around and some other pictures of the area. So just like the time in in like the it's not just the story. It's like the context behind like the ambition um of the piece I, I think is awesome to kind of put out and express and just make sure everyone's aware of well i so, felt colder reading it <laughs> yeah like and that comes oh, across I'm you know like, it it goes yeah. well yeah you can feel a portion of what i oh my god yeah like i've said it to so many people if i could use one word to describe that morning it would be cold it was crazy. <laughs> it, like, risk i mean you you guys are new there's you know how it gets here it like it bites at your skin and yeah. when you're when you're out there with your bare hands on the controller trying to keep any warmth in your thumb tips on the joysticks, like it it can be tough. Like <laughs> we really put ourselves. I was up and out um, at 4 a.m. that morning, just trying to get to the mountain before sunrise. And I I remember just waking up to my alarm. I was like, Do I really want to do this? And like. <laughs> like sluggishly putting on all my equipment and walking out to the car trying to like turn on the heat and the seat warmer and <laughs> anything that could get some warmth to my body driving myself over the mountain um yeah so like i guess that's some sort of testament to like photographers a lot of the times will put themselves or put the shot before themselves like we have this this kind of final product in mind and just something that we want to capture so badly that we're willing to lose a little sleep or lose a little warmth. I've stayed out all night in 15, 20 degree weather for shooting the stars for the astronomical series. Or yeah, I've like 
woken up way before sunrise more times than I can count just to get that early morning light. Um, there's a lot that uh, the behind scene work, scenes work that doesn't necessarily get seen unless you share it in the, the threads or the descriptions like I try to do. Um, so for this, yeah, this Northeast Kingdom piece, my most recent um, cinematography piece on super rare, once again, in collaboration with Clemens Ra um, from Germany, we worked on this one, especially to transmit that cold feeling that you guys were talking about. Um, Clemens especially did a fantastic job on the audio side of things. Really grateful to be working with him. Um, not only with the track, which has kind of that nice ambiance and is uh, very similar to how the uh, the visuals, the cold, uh, frosty visuals are, but it's not too like the way that I pitched it to him because he this was an original track. He made this this thirty second um, audio loop specifically for this visual, which I think is so cool and brings so a lot good. of value yeah. to the piece. Yeah, but when we were brainstorming kind of the the vibe that I want to go go with it, I didn't want it to be like too like moody or sinister, like a lot of like the darker music might be. I wanted it to kind of be on the the fine line of like dreamy, but also have that dramatic factor for the the cold morning. And Clemens knocked it out of the park with the track. And then the sound design, how he was able to implement the different layers of wind for the altitude of the drone and the um, the slight noise of the chairlift in the background going up the mountain. You've got the wolf cries and the eagle uh, in the background. Just so many elements that come in to complement the piece so nicely. Clemens, I got to give him credit for that. He's, he's a master in his own right and super, super grateful to be connected with him. And then the visual itself is capturing Burke Mountain in the Northeast King Kingdom of Vermont, hence the name. Uh, it's something I really focus on for the series is kind of having each piece be representative of the location that I was shot at. Um, I want it the the whole like body of work just to kind of be show showcasing these different corners of the planet that might people might not know about, but have their own beauty in their own right. Um, so yeah, it's capturing the Burke Ski Mountain in Burke, Vermont, very early in the morning. I think sunrise this morning was right before 6 a.m. Um, so I was up, out, and early. Uh, you got the morning pink light, um, like we get so nicely here in the New England winter, just hitting the snow-covered trees as the, the, just as I was arriving there, the, uh, the lift people had just started the chairlift, so it was doing its first rounds, no skiers on the mountain just yet. And yeah, hands were freezing, I was shivering out in the cold, um, trying to get the shots without my hands freezing. Um, but overall, so happy with the final product. Got a lot of great responses. And yeah, it's it's still currently available in the pri primary market. But like with all of my pieces, I'm I'm very convicted that it will find it like find its home at the right time. Um, like every every good thing takes time. So I think when when that time comes. It, it will, yeah, it will be in those good hands. And until then, Clemens and I are just going to keep working. We're, um, we're kind of aiming for like, I think 10 to 12 pieces a year if we're ambitious. Um, we have kind of a long-term vision with the project where we, each piece takes a lot of work. So we want to make sure we get all the details, check all the boxes. Um, so we're, yeah, we're going to start up production on the next piece and just keep working forward. And yeah, that's, that's all I got to say about it. No, that's, that, that's great. And I think like that, 
last part too like it it lends to your first foundation piece where you're like you're waiting two months for it to sell and like i think that a lot of artists can can have that or, or have experienced that where it's just like you, not only like the the anxiety self-doubt of like, of like putting out a piece and then like once it's out and then like waiting and uh you know going through it especially like the first time and in, in, in seeing it come through i'm sure it eases some of those thoughts but yeah i think that's super important to be at least able to hold that type of mindset when you put out your work with patience like that patience is crucial in this space because you'll rip yourself apart if you don't have it like it's easier said than done definitely but there yeah there's going to be a lot of artists and i've seen it firsthand how people can really kind of start to doubt themselves when they have a piece sit for a long while but in reality all it's waiting is for that right pair of eyes to finally see it and yeah that, that's all it takes well if this podcast was all it took two and a half eth reserve kick it <laughs> off somebody <laughs> no, yeah it would it will come. I'm, I'm will. very confident. No it rush. I can appreciate that sentiment too. I've always, um, patience is something I feel like I had to teach myself. Um, still and, teaching. And, and you still teach yourself. <laughs> like it, it's just never ending. Yeah. But it's just totally. like turns into a trait in a way. And then it's, you know, it's, it's one of the more comforting things to have. Oh, I didn't want to, I didn't want to miss your girlfriend's also an artist, right? Yes. Oh my gosh. I'm so happy you brought that up. So my girlfriend of four years, We've been together since eighth grade. Um, she's amazing in every every aspect. Um, we're actually both going to New York, which is super exciting. Nice. Um, and yeah, so she works primarily with oil paints on canvas. She um, does kind of a lot of studies through that. Um, really, she actually, she's painted some of my, hold on, actually, I want to show you this. <laughs> I want to one see it. Earlier, one of my earlier images, this is one of her works here. Wow. Um, from, yeah from a sunset over the ocean in uh, Naples, Florida. So she wow. does kind of my images sometimes, which is super cool. That is awesome. Um, yeah. She's a, a collab, she's if you will. <laughs> yeah, yeah, totally. So yeah, I um, I actually gave her her first NFT a little while back. I gave her one of the little lemons. She loved the guy with <laughs> the egg on the top. <laughs> um, so that was like my onboarding process. Uh, but yeah, I think we... We connect a lot on, on like many things, but being artists both is is a great tribute for both of us as well. Yeah, I feel like a lot of uh, you know the good artists are you know it's a bad way to put it, but like the female behind it behind the scenes, like Dave Pollitt, someone we've talked to many times, and he's like, oh yeah, oh, yeah. my wife, and it's just like she does everything, and then like the, the every, Zulo every, combo. Every successful man has like a woman behind it. <laughs> exactly. exactly. <laughs> yeah. Um, no, she, she keeps me together. Nice. Um, and my mom, too. My mom is another amazing. Yeah, shout out moms. Shout out <laughs> they're moms. the best. They're, yeah, they're, I have very supportive parents, which I'm fortunate to have, too. They kind of, I mean, they've been, they were skeptical when I was putting, buying that first drone or <laughs> putting money into <laughs> NFTs and all that. But like, eventually, like you keep working hard and they, they will support yeah. I'm sure you gave your mom heart attacks when you showed her the picture of you on top of buildings and stuff, right? Oh yeah. She's not, she's not so much a fan of that collection. <laughs> <laughs> what did she doesn't understand PFPs? <laughs> uh, no. <laughs> no, yeah. Maybe I'll have to work with her on that. <laughs> yeah. Day trader, PFP day trader by day. <laughs> Are you, have you guys talked to your parents about what you do with NFTs? 
I did a while ago. Uh, it was a it was during the G Monk drop, and I think Blake Catherine was that day. It was all Nifty Gateway. Do you remember that? Yeah. Oh, yeah, was your, your podcast was a year ago today, wasn't it? I yeah, with G Monk. Oh, yeah. yeah, yeah. Yep, that was and a good one. I guess uh, we were on vacation. I just explained it to my whole family, and um, I, I made them all buy stuff right at the top, and then everything crashed. And I don't think I, can, <laughs> I, don't, I don't think I'll ever get them like convinced ever again. So. <laughs> I wrote them off at this point. I heard so many stories like that. That's brutal. (laughs) I was like, I I finally got the hang of this stuff. Let me show my family. And then it just tanked. (laughs) I told my dad to buy Ethereum at $800 and he wouldn't listen to me. (laughs) Uh, He told me to buy a board ape and I said, no. Uh, (laughs) We have a, yeah. I, man, that was probably my biggest miss too. Was like, I was around. I, I could have bought one. Um, imagine. That I, yeah, I had dude, one, dude. I, I could imagine. I know what it's like. I had one. <laughs> I sold it for like oh, five and a man. half. Eat. It was on my birthday. Oh. It was awesome. Then I told my parents, and they're like, "Wait, you sold that picture of a monkey for ten thousand dollars?" It's like, yeah, right. that's great. When I but, tell people, I have like this cool cat. Yeah, <laughs> they're it like works, that though. smiling blue thing is worth thirty k. Yeah. Like, <laughs> no Welcome understand. to NFTs. Exactly. I got my I got yeah, my alien crazy. friend. That's what I'm riding with from now on. <laughs> yeah, I've got a friend too. They're cool. They've got like the V2 coming up, which is cool. I'm excited for that. Yeah, me too. Um, I just uh put it to the side. So we're we're we're, yeah. we're definitely going through a wave of like fuck, dude. We gotta quit buying cool. stuff for why America? did we just like the, uh-huh. it's like I why didn't we? You know yeah. what I mean? It's like we buy the wrong stuff sometimes, but it's either why did we or why didn't we? Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> exactly. It's always. Exactly. Oh well. Um, well, dude. I, I mean, this has been awesome, and thanks for being so generous with your time. I feel like there's like, you know, another entire podcast we could probably record just talking about you know the NFT space in general. We'll do it before you go off to college or right <laughs> after you move in. That's yeah. great. And we've I, got to uh, we've got an organized a time to grab lunch or something in the for sure. I honestly think cool. too, I was thinking about it with, with Naple, Steve, um, when we were at the gallery, like there's no reason like we, we couldn't get a collective of folks from the area and, and put on a curated show there at some point. I, I've, I've had that I, idea. I, I tried. They, they would say they weren't interested in photography. but Send the adults in, dude. We'll, we'll, we'll try to take care of it. <laughs> <laughs> oh my God. <laughs> All right, Don't worry enough. about him. Yeah, we'll, that, yeah we'll, we'll throw everything we got at them. We'll push. Uh, uh, yeah, I think we should get some Boston-based artists in there for sure because it was mostly like people that weren't local. Yeah, I, we can find them. They're there, 100%. Oh, for, for sure. Yeah. All right, Ben. It's yeah. been great, man. Um, continued yeah, success in the future. So good talking with you guys. Yeah, this will come out uh, looking forward Monday to next Monday. Yeah. So, if there's oh, anything sweet. you want to see? You guys are fast with the turnaround. That's yeah. uh, that's him. <laughs> I try. Oh, yeah, <laughs> <laughs> nice. Um, yeah, and I'll definitely tweet that out when it's out and let me know if there's anything else to do as well. Dude, yeah, let us know if there's anything you want us to put in there. And yeah. great to meet you. Appreciate it. Yeah, and you can keep so calling me Tommy on Twitter. Time. Keep calling me Tommy in the DMs. I, I, I appreciate the, the moniker online. Okay, Tommy. Tommy, Tommy online. Cool. And then Larry, once you know me. Okay, I'll, I'll remember <laughs> that. <laughs> All right, okay. guys. Cheers. Bye, guys. Night. Damn, that's nifty.
That's nifty, that's NFT. That's a nifty, nifty NFT. That's nifty, that's NFT. That's a nifty, nifty NFT. Aphorius fears he leaked the plan. Exula worked on Iron Man. How cool is that? Mad Dog Jones, the dude so fine, he hand draws every single line. I sure as hell didn't know that. Fuck Render built the gallery to raise new artist popularity. What a guy. Yeah, man, it's a good guy. Too much lag like a nomad, all his belongings in a single bag. All these things, can't you see? I learned all that's NFT. That's NFT. That's NFT. That's a nifty, nifty NFT. That's nifty. That's NFT. That's a nifty, nifty NFT. That's nifty. That's NFT. That's a nifty, nifty NFT. That's nifty. That's NFT. That's a nifty, nifty NFT. Damn, that's a nifty NFT.